This is Diamond Derek here with the Wrestling Matt Podcast. And today we covered the Royal Rumble 2000. This will be part A, where you get all the undercard matches leading up to the actual Rumble match itself, uh, cultivating in a nice Cactus Jack versus Triple H street fight. I hope you guys enjoy. Oh yeah, Wrestling Matt Podcast. He's the Matty Daddy. Hello and welcome to Wrestling Matt Podcast. I am your host, the Matty Daddy. As always, bring you wrestling rewinds, fantasy booking, promos, and much more. But tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we're in the Royal Rumble season. And we're going to be diving into the Royal Rumble 2000. Another pay-per-view from the Attitude Era. You get Triple H versus Cactus Jack in a street fight. Bang, bang! But not only that, you get a Royal Rumble match full of yum-yums. So without further ado, let's get it. Let's do it. All right, our first podcaster comes all the way from the independent wrestling circuit. This man needs no introduction. He is our strongman on the Wrestling Map podcast, but he is also our luchador. Without further ado, CJ Crowd. Oh, baby, it's good to be here right now. The luchador that always makes you want more is here to talk about the Royal Rumble 2000. The turn of the century there. We're going on some of the greatest matches I've ever seen on this card. Can't wait to start talking about it. CJ, and we can't wait to hear that beautiful voice and that amazing moveset. But let's keep the show going because the show must go on. And with us two, we need one more taste of juiciness. So next... We're bringing in a man who needs no introduction. From dive bars all over Florida, the hard knocks of Pensacola Beach. Some might know him as the Diamond Stud. Others might know him as the bad guy. My best friend, your worst enemy, Diamond Derek Tittle. Hey, yo. Survey time. Did everyone come here to listen to some boring-ass wrestling podcast? Or is everyone here for the number one podcast, number one wrestling podcast in the world? The Wrestling, the wrestling Podcast. Matt podcast. <laughs> Another one for the good guys. Ooh, baby, baby. That was beautiful. Derek, Lucha Libre, CJ Krause, are y'all ready for tonight? The Rumble. Oh, yeah. So, guys, let's talk about this pay-per-view. Royal Rumble 2000. We are January 23rd, Madison Square Garden, sold out crowd. The road to WrestleMania begins. Guys, we're getting a packed card here from the garden. And of course, it starts off with our American hero, the Three Eyes versus Taz. All right, guys, we're right into it. Let's talk this match. CJ, give me some angle versus Taz yum yums. What were your takeaways? I mean, the biggest thing I was taking away from this match was how hot the crowd was for the heat versus angle and then the pop that happened when then Taz was announced. Because this is one of the first times that people knew Taz was coming, but they didn't announce it beforehand. It was the mystery opponent for that one. So right. that was one of the biggest takeaways of that initial, like how much heat angle was getting naturally. 
and then the crowd noise when um, Taz first came out. So that was some of the biggest things that really what I saw in the opening really set the stage for what the match is. Now, CJ, I see you're wearing that American flag hoodie. Give me the three eyes. What are Kurt Angle's three eyes? Kurt Angle's three eyes. Wow, you put me on the spot for this one. Uh, little Google what, Ski is going to fix this for me. <laughs> you got it. And I want you to give them to me. Integrity. Intensity. Intelligence. Yes. And that's Boom. what we're here at the Wrestling Map Podcast. Bang, bang, bang. bang. I really need to turn in my uh, flag for that one for messing that one up. But don't <laughs> worry. I will earn it back. Hey. Talking about this match. About, baby. Wrestling Rewinds. <laughs> Not everybody remembers all of this stuff, but this is a great blast from the past. We watch this new product. We see how the bar has been raised, but it's also nice to see how we got here. And this Taz versus Kurt Angle opener, Derek, what did you think about this match for an opener? You know, the crowd's hot for Taz when he comes out. what do you think about this match? Um, I, I think it's a great opener for a pay-per-view because you, you want to open hot. You want to open hot. You want to finish hot. Um, like, uh, like CJ was saying, the, it, the crowd pretty much knew there was going to be some Taz action in this pay-per-view. Um, Taz also being, I believe, from New York in this uh, pay-per-view being at Madison Square Garden, the crowd was hot. And, um, you know, Kurt Angle comes out, gets the, gets the quick heat by, by making fun of the Knicks. And oh, all of a sudden, yep. Too um, soon. I think he makes like a Patrick Ewing reference saying that they'll, mm -hmm. they'll never win a championship with them. And then, uh, and then Taz's music hits, and the crowd. I, I think you even heard like some Taz chants before yeah, his music ever even hit. And then his music hit, and they, you know, they blew up. But as far as the match itself goes, I mean, I didn't love it. I knew what they were trying to do. Taz came out, kind of dominated, and it was a short match. Um, Dude, but, and know. that's the important thing, though. Taz won this match against an undefeated Kurt Angle. And he comes in, and he pretty much puts him in the Taz mission. Kurt mm -hmm. Angle falls out. I mean, he never wakes up. This is how hot they had Taz coming into the WWF. Um, it was a you great – you go, go ahead, ahead, CJ. Oh, cool. I'll talk about that. It was a great startup by bringing Taz in there and how they did it. There were some great spots in there, like the second rope suplex and that quick leg rope where he just start, um, started kicking out. Angle has a ring presence to bring his leg on the bottom rope. I thought that was a really cool spot there. I think they dropped the ball on how they could have handled the um, the choke out, basically, instead of the tap out, which they're trying to protect Angle. But I feel like there's a better way they could have done it because they really like almost soured the end of it for me as a consumer for watching it. So, well, my biggest takeaway from this match was to me, the believability of Taz, like his moveset, like it looked like it was hurting as he was doing it. Uh, his moves, his suplex underhook second suplex through the second rope was badass. You know, it said that, what was it? JR said, it's like being thrown out of an automobile, you know, just <laughs> shit was ridiculous. Um, yeah, so, so we get such a hot push from Taz off the beginning. So this is the opener, and to me, yeah, for two guys that had never worked for with themselves, I thought it was solid, and I thought the crowd was into it. So here's – let's go – let's rewind this a little bit, and let's talk booking. You know, we're all 
fantasy bookers here at the Wrestling Map Podcast. We have Taz comes in, defeats undefeated Kurt Angle, and then just freaking, you know, it's like a train wreck. Nothing from here on out is good. So for Taz, he, you know, he's most known for this match probably and his broadcasting and his ECW, ECW. So what fantasy book me, Taz, from this moment on, we've got the WrestleMania coming up. Um, let's say from Royal Rumble 2000, he's going to WrestleMania 2000. I want him to have a spot on the card that's worth a shit. So you take me through um, – Take me through Taz. First, just tell me a little bit about, is he a believable threat in this Attitude Era? And then we'll discuss, you know, what we think eventually would be a good matchup for WrestleMania 2000. All right, I'll start with this one off. Um, I definitely, the way he performed the match, he was a believable threat based on his moves and based on everything he was doing. He was mean looking. He was hitting hard. He was throwing people, he was throwing angles around that ring i would have loved to see more from the commentary to build him up though like this is his first time in it's tads it's huge the end of it kind of again what i say it soured for me they did pull the stretchers kind of make a thing with angle but i wanted like the commentators to be like oh my god he just manhandled and made the angle fall asleep or whatever they wanted to do i would have loved to see more of like a bad like like he choked him out and then they're like having to like decide that's really a victory based on a choke i'm making the baddest man on the planet after that for like taking him down that would have been a better route to take than like did he choke him out did he not kind of like 50 50 booking him in my opinion and what i'll go before i keep this up so we're talking taz here so you see a an entrance like this the rumble one of their biggest wrestling pay-per-views on the year so you're expecting you're like damn dude this guy's legit so we're going let's just fast forward to wrestlemania 2000 he was in the hardcore battle royal for the title and didn't even win. You had a Holly win the hardcore title. So to me, this right off the bat, like they dropped the ball. Like, cool. yeah. So what I would have loved worked. to see, I'm going to like build off this really quick, yeah. was use what they did in the ring, which have um, Taz beat Angle with the Taz mission. Perfect. But Angle being like the ultra like whiny baby he is, not yeah. respect the loss just be like no i never lost he choked me he like literally complained to everybody to whoever's the gm whoever take it all the way to the top and then taz be like fine i'll beat you again at wrestlemania without the taz mission or so something like that and it'd be like it could be like a long storyline where like angle's still quote unquote undefeated but like the fans won't recognize right. he's undefeated but like so he's getting extra heat extra heat and taz gonna build up yeah they keep feeding taz and taz just you know, you kind of saw the first masters in the master lock. You just feed him guys, and he just keeps, you know, dominating. Yeah. What a match that would yeah. have been. And then eventually season. you get that payoff of, like, a true victory where, like, Angle has to recognize that he got beat, you know, versus, yeah. and that could, like, spread out over the next couple of months. So that another top- in my opinion, that would have better built them both up. Absolutely. I, like I said, the opener was so hot, and then – just the drop-off we got from this superstar was just unbelievable to me. Me and Derek kind of talked about it earlier in the day about Taz. So I want to hit kind of his idea with the rumble and everything for Taz, another way they could have used him. Um, Derek, go ahead and tell him. Yeah, so I actually agree with a lot of what CJ said, well, pretty much all of what CJ said there. Um, 
and kind of the way they should have maybe booked him. Um, but I, I know you want to start off the pay-per-view hot. You want to get that pop from the crowd. You want to start hot, like I said earlier, you always want to start hot, you want to finish hot. I think they should have waited on Taz, though. I don't think he should have opened. I can't tell you who I you know, think should have opened the card, but I would have loved to have seen Angle and Taz in the Rumble. Could you imagine... It, no, no spoilers. We're going to talk about the actual Rumble match later, but there were some spots where it kind of fell flat. And could you imagine that crowd pop when they would have heard Taz, Taz's music if he came out, like say, like number 20 or something, and came out and started dominating, and say maybe... Maybe he eliminates, so you got Angle in the Rumble too, you know, in my fantasy world, and maybe Taz eliminates Angle. Then they go on to start having some singles matches, and then, yeah, you have, like, the, you know, Taz win by the, you know, a Taz mission on Raw the next, and then maybe come back and, and Angle is upset about it and saying, I didn't lose, it was a choke. So then they wrestle again. Maybe Angle beats him with the yeah. with the ankle lock, and then they move on to like a no submissions match or something like that for Royal Rumble. I mean for uh, WrestleMania. They wasted it, man. Uh, they they had too much meat on the bone here to pull a you know a swerve, um, as old Vince Russo would say. Thanks for the follow, Vince Russo. Shout out to you, buddy. Um, so now let's move on. We get a backstage. We've got. We've got Angle and Taz taken care of. The crowd's in it. The crowd's in it. I'm in it. We get the Hardy Boys interview, and they got Terry with them, man. Marlena, also known as a Gold Dust wife, but you know <laughs> Terry's looking sexy. But uh, you know it's them versus the Dudley Boys coming up. So they tell Terry it is too dangerous for you in this match. So we're getting we get the we get that and then it's back to the Dudleys and the uh, Hardys. You've known they've had so many vicious tables, ladder chairs matches with Christian and Edge, but this is kind of the beginning of that. That is Madison Square Garden. Dudleys come out first. They just start shitting on the crowd, just like any good heel would do. They mentioned John Rocker, former Brave. I know our boy Derek Diamond. Derek's a big Braves fan. Um, if I'm correct, wasn't. Rocker was so hated. I think the Mets fans threw batteries at him, if I'm correct. Yeah, he came out and said like some stuff about like New Yorkers and stuff that really got some heat because the the Yankees and Mets were such huge rivals of the Braves. So then that's when the Dudleys came out and dropped that John Rocker reference just to get some heat. Did y'all notice uh, Dudley stuttering a little bit? That was his old gimmick in ECW. The original one he came out with, the stu- yeah. they wanted the, stu- uh, the original. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, that's the one thing for us, for our listeners. That's the one thing I wish we would have done last last week was have Clayton when he did the gold dust gimmick stutter as well. That would have just, just you know cherry on top. But yeah, entertaining match. We get the Hardy Boys getting the win here. Um, double tables. Like I said, I remember this from 21 years ago when I watched it live. Um, that's what me and CJ decided to have this conversation. He's like, I love the Dudleys. Oh, Maddie, the Dudleys, they were so good. The Hardys, <laughs> Christian and Edge. So that's where we got this match. But it was tables, it was ladders, it was chairs. Oh, my. It was, oh, and then, <laughs> then the Swan Tom and CJ, tell me about this match, baby. Oh, overall, the match was hard hitting. Like, watch 
watching like some of those like chair shots that we're talking about like i think i got a concussion watching bubba take those chair shots to the head all of the time on that one but they were they were attempting to steal the show they were doing their best to put their bodies on the line to steal the show and i think they kind of missed a few spots there um my only my only critique is like how clunky it was to have um both people having to be eliminated and them not like setting it up well on the announcer side because wait 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 what's that uh, oh yeah it's the hardy boys everybody get those fingers up uh, 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 uh. this is where it's at so yeah clunky match cj a lot of head shots a lot of hardy's music but uh a lot of a lot of hardy's music going on especially after getting the end of that one but overall i mean like it shows their true potential this is definitely a young hardy's you saw that in the initial um promo where they're not even looking at the camera when they're talking to terry their backs are completely against it so they're definitely young at promos too but it shows like their potential in this match and i just um i like clarity like i wish it would set it up better on the um like with jr and there but I think it was overall a great match. The Swanton finish is one of the most iconic moments we see all the time. So, want to know something else crazy that. about Jeff Hardy at this time? This is Royal Rumble 2000. Jeff Hardy was 22. Damn. 22 year old kid performing in Madison Square Garden against the Dudleys. Crazy shit. Dude, on one of, one of the biggest pay per views of the year. Like, you're 22. Like, you just started drinking. You're probably just now comfortable talking well, to girls. Well, let's let's. Jeff Hardy probably didn't start drinking at 22. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, true. He's a seasoned vet at that. Unfortunately, yeah, he, but... he was a grizzled vet at drinking, but still green <laughs> at wrestling. I think I'd want to sit down and have a beer or two with Jeff Hardy. Oh, definitely. Maybe <laughs> oh. some maybe some somas. Let's let's oh, party man. like real wrestlers. We are talking Royal Rumble 2000, and I'm sure. <laughs> Somas were a perfect gimmick <laughs> for that time frame. Uh, Derek, any more takeaways from this this deadly match between the Dudleys testify and the Hardy Boys? What do you got? What's here? up? <laughs> CJ, give me a what's up. What's up? What's up? Inner Hardy Boys music. Oh, there it is. That's the way to transition right there. All right, Derek, tell me about this match, baby. Yeah, so I, I agree with CJ once again. Um, it was kind of clunky the way they were putting it together. The King and JR both, they were, I think they were both trying to say, they were trying to put over the fact that you had to be put through a table from an offensive move. Yeah. Basically, that way if someone, you know, tried to put someone through a table and they moved out of the way and one of the Hardys went through the table like what happened, then, you know, they're not eliminated. Because I know, I want to say Jeff and Matt both put themselves through tables at one right. point. And that but, could be a confusing spot right there. Yeah, but They also yeah, put Bubba they, through the table twice, I believe, or Devon through the table twice. It, it was, yeah, I think it was Bubba. He was already eliminated, and then he took the chair shot from the balcony and fell backwards through the table, but he oh. had been eliminated. Um but there, I mean, several high spots in you know in this match. You know, they use tables, they use ladders, chairs, um, the ring stairs. The there was a, a simultaneous. They had a, a table set up outside the ring, and Matt Hardy climbed a ladder outside the ring. Jeff Hardy climbed to the top rope, and they hit a simultaneous leg drop and body splash. Um, I can't remember who it was that went through the table. That might have been Bubba. I don't remember. 
Um, but that started like a, you know, a big, like, holy shit chant from the audience, which, you know, we all love. That's a nice little pop. Um, and then obviously going through the crowd and having Bubba take chair shots to fall through a table and having <laughs> Jeff Hardy hit the, the Centon bomb to, to put D-bomb through the table. Is it Centon or Swanton? That's a Swanton, I, my friend. I thought I've heard it as both, but... Why are you so fancy, Diamond? <laughs> That's me, baby. Diamond Derek, baby. That's right, baby. Diamond Derek, the American dream. Wind and dine with kings and queens and ate pork and beans. Uh, but we'll, we'll go with Swanton since I'm outnumbered here. Swanton. <laughs> it's the pretty one. It's the pretty Santa. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think this is a perfect time for me to wrap up this match. I want to talk about Jeff Hardy. All right, so now that we got this music out of the way, I had to get my Hardy fixed, sorry. Uh, me and Jeff Hardy have some wrestling history, believe it or not. Uh, as uh, most of you know from my social media or whatnot, I used to be a bellman at Hilton Pensacola Beach, go front. And uh, if you ever want me to do my answering the phone voice for it, I will. But another day, another dollar. But, yeah, me and Derek used to work there. We were roommates. But I had a Jeff Hardy experience in the early days. Him and, uh, what's his name, Umaga stayed at the Hilton. So I got to hang out and just kind of talk to Jeff Hardy a little bit. So that was pretty cool. And then uh, I went to a Monday Night Raw in Mobile where it was the last night that the Raw was having their uh, – it was the night before they were going to HD. So they tore up their set. So I got to see uh, – Jeff Hardy climbed the stage and jump off through a table onto Randy Orton, the legend killer. But uh, yeah, just a little Jeff Hardy trivia from the Maddie Daddy. That's what we do here at the Wrestling Mat Podcast. We bring you luchadors, we bring you diamonds, and we bring you daddies. So as we keep <laughs> going on, we get our we see a little flashback to Kurt Angle, dazed and confused, as the movie's called. Asking if he won the match, not knowing what's going on. They're selling this hard that he just got pretty much murked by Taz. So we get that. And then one of my favorite part of the show, puppies. I bet we it get, is. We get the, <laughs> we, not just for puppies, but for promos. And y'all <laughs> see here in a minute. We get the Miss Royal Rumble 2000 swimsuit pageant. Our only person hyped, more hyped for, than me was Jerry Lawler. So we get a, we get a legends panel of different different hosts. We get Freddie Blassie. We get Slaughter. We get a couple other guys. We get Andy Richter from the Conan O'Brien show, and that was one of those shows I didn't watch Jay Leno as much or David Letterman, but I did watch Conan O'Brien, so I remembered Andy Richter pretty pretty vaguely. Um, but yeah, let's hit these these women we're about to see. Ivory coming out in a sweatshirt just doesn't look like she wants to be there. Luna kind of same thing. Terry Runnels. We get uh Jacqueline with the cowboy hat. Yeehaw, cowboys, baby. Pow pow. And we get cat, old Jerry Lawler squeeze. You know, he eventually got fired because you know he stuck up for cat a little too much. We we know how that worked out. But and then of course, uh so Let's kind of walk people down this match. I don't want to ruin it for them, but we get a surprise entrant at the end, and she ends up winning the match. So what did you think of the actions of these ladies? Um, 
Let's go you first, Derek. Let's talk about these girls and then our surprise entry. You can go ahead and fill them in. Okay. So this is late 12, early 13-year-old me <laughs> watching this at home and loving it. So you wind up getting so let's Jacqueline and Terry. I, wow. I can't help I, I can't help it. They've got those huge bolt-on tits. And, <laughs> and I love I it. I love it. I'm I'm a I'm a huge fan. And so they come yum, out yum. there. I think it's gotta be between them, you've got you've got Kat in like the bubble wrap bikini, but Terry and Jacqueline's bikinis were so skimpy and just so perfect for the time. Just loved were it. Were they G-strings, I believe? Is that what they were wearing? They like, were both wearing like G-string type thong bikinis. And not only that. They weren't but, wearing much. That's all. No. Yeah. As, as uh, the king would say, they weren't wearing more than a staple. <laughs> I want to just talk about this match. I can tell. So, um, <laughs> keep going, Derek. Yeah, so, so they, I mean, they're as hot as can be and like I said all of us 18 to 24 or actually 10 to 24 year olds at the time were loving it probably even older just all of us guys and then they have Mae Young come out as the surprise entrant and not only does she win she wins because she takes her top off she keeps saying oh I know everyone wants to see these puppies and she's got to be what 80 at the time and winds up taking her top down. And then you have Mark Henry run out to try to cover her up. And they wind up giving the, giving the, the Miss Royal Rumble 2000 title to Mae Young. Mae and those puppies. CJ, <laughs> what about you, man? What did you think? You guys don't leave out BB. The, they made it a point to say that she was a EMT for the team. I don't know how she got in there. I don't really remember much of her wrestling. But I think uh, one of King's best lines was, they call me Burger King, but BB has the double whoppers. <laughs> yeah, definitely BB was, like, really awkward in that whole situation. I think the quote of the whole thing was when Jay, was, um, the King was talking to Cole. He's like, these aren't your type of girls. They aren't inflatable. Died laughing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in that moment. That's the best. You're right. Um, that, was the, that was the line of the night, in my opinion. Um, I was only like nine or 10 when this came out. So I think I went through puberty watching this, but that's a. We all did. Right? <laughs> this is what kicked off your puberty. I love it. And, and, and this is like the starting point. That's why I think I remember it so fondly. That was the first thing. But no, I mean, for what it was, the time and the era, I mean, it's exactly what they were trying to get out of it. Um, I think the characters played really well. Like Ivory played her part really well, even though she still looked strong and good. Um, oh, Jacqueline man. looked the best of all of them by far. But did you see the heat wave when she did the uh, squat down and she started waving it off and like <laughs> spanking herself, like air spanking that, herself? That thing Golly. was hot. Golly. So, but yeah, I mean, those those moments like that are just like so iconic for like different reasons but it was definitely a good reminder of the time you know but yeah whole different world then we were just i think just everything in social media is so different now and that's why i think it's kind of cool to let loose and just kind of talk about history that's what this is it's a wrestling rewind it's not necessarily what's going on now but it's kind of cool cool to see where we have evolved to um yeah cr crazy match with may young um Crazy to see this was Mark Henry's only spot on the whole pay-per-view, I believe. I don't think they even gave him a rumble spot. 
So I thought that was weird. Like I said, he's an Olympic athlete. Uh, to me, he was just as important to the product as most of the wrestlers out there. So to me, uh, bad booking on the uh, Mark Henry part. But we're talking booking. We're talking promos. We just had the Miss Royal Rumble. So we've seen what's happened. So we've seen Luna. She didn't want to pay up. She didn't want to even show her body. That's bad TV. So now I want to add the, the promo side to this. CJ, we know you're a luchador. You're the best we got at the Fantasy Affair when it comes to putting matches together and just, you know, what to expect. So Luna, if you're listening, CJ has a bone to pick with you. And I want you to put together a match or at least challenge her to a match, your best promo. I want CJ versus Luna. CJ, Lucha Libre, Luchador, what do you have to say? Now, Luna, and I'm speaking to you and only you right now. I need you to understand that you let us down as a community, as people, and as a young me wanting to learn more about life and puppies. <laughs> Now, what we have to do to right this wrong, to continue going forward, I challenge you to the match of matches, a bra and panties match, next week, live here on the Wrestling Matt Podcast. That's right, Luna. If you're listening up, <laughs> we're booking you. CJ's taking you to pound town. <laughs> and <laughs> it is going to be a match for the ages. So, ladies and gentlemen, go ahead and book it. CJ, our Lucha Libre, will be wrestling Luna next week on the Wrestling Map Podcast. But we're not done. Mae Young stole the show with those puppies. She was Miss Royal Rumble 2000. So, Derek, I know your promo skills are on point. I want you to have a little bit more sex appeal. So, I want Mae Young, I want you to talk Mae Young into managing yours truly, the Diamond Stud. Yeah, all right. I don't know how good my pro. I'm I'm more known for my in ring skills, but we'll give this a <laughs> shot here. Oh, May Young, baby, and those terrible titties, baby. It looks like you nurse a sheep back to health with those things. And that is exactly what Diamond Derek, baby, is looking for in his corner. When I need nursing back to health, I want it to be a shot of that powdered milk straight from the tap. What do you say, May? May and Diamond Derek, baby. This team would team would take over the year two thousand. <laughs> Between your in ring work and her distractions of those, you know, powdered filled puppies, those inflated be... balloon titties. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got ourselves a manager special. Oh, Derek. So, guys, I've set y'all both up with promos. Y'all both killed it. I think Luna's got a match next week. I think we see May joining forces with Derek to take over the wrestling match championship. I mean, this is a stack card we got. So, let's go to something that I thought was really weird. Maybe it's the year 2000. Maybe it's not. Oh, man. But I see Chris Jericho and China backstage fighting over, uh, I guess, who's going to walk out the Intercontinental Champion. So we get Chris Jericho defeating China and Hardcore Holly. 
This was a triple threat match for the undisputed WWF championship, Intercontinental Championship. I'm not, mm-hmm. I didn't go into research, but I didn't know why they were calling it undisputed. It's because it China and Jericho were co-champions at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were, yeah I think they were a double pin situation. Yeah, so... Yeah. Just, a, to me, a weird situation, but I see the notes. Derek, I'm going to let you need, lead this one. We had Jericho defeat China and Hardcore Holly. What do you got here? Okay. Um, Jericho opens up. Jericho is always great on the mic. Could always cut a good promo. It comes out, could, you know, cuts a good promo. Right. Um, the match starts, and you can tell they're kind of protecting China. Early on, she goes outside the ring. She stays out there for a while. But at the same time, they're still trying to put her over because it's an intergender match. She's wrestling dudes. But she also, I believe she hits like a superplex. She hits a drop kick um, to a chair that Hardcore is holding in front of his face. And she even hits like a pedigree. So they're obviously trying to put her over and, and trying to make her look strong. But then Jericho winds up, you know, winning with a, a lion salt onto uh, China for the pin. Um, overall, I mean, I I don't love intergender matches. It's just hard to put those over. Um, I know China was big on not wanting to wrestle other women because she thought she was as good and as strong and and you know as the other guys. She may have been, you know, a lot stronger and better than, you know, a lot of the women, but at the same time, it's just, it's not very believable when you have an intergender match. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to get into mine in a minute, but I 100% agree with your your takes on that. CJ, hit me with uh, some Jericho China hardcore Holly. No, overall, I think it was a, a good match. Um, it's it's hard coming off of a promo set to start a match like we just had coming out of like um, the Royal Rumble 2000 ladies. But honestly, like I think China was the weak point of the match, unfortunately, to say that because she just looked like she was a little more clunkier, like not as movable in the ring as I was seeing. Jericho was the highlight by far, but even he was really pulling the punches when he was hitting China. So I'm not sure if those like um, like an agreement not to. Yeah. But um, overall the biggest key points, like Bob Holly kicking out of the pedigree. I thought that was like an interesting, I didn't expect that. Um, But I also think Jericho getting the win was the right call for the match. But also I still don't understand how there wasn't a DQ in there, but then specify as a no DQ match with the chair angle, but that's a. Yeah. I think they were just kind of flying on the seat of their pants. Uh, a little too much um dude yeah i think you guys both nailed it on the head the intergender matches china's believability like they were so careful it looked like they were handling you know precious cargo and you have hardcore holly one of the most snug mother truckers in the wwf wwe you you hear this guy just putting a pound in and then you see him being so gentle with china i'm like what like, at least take him out of the match. I don't want to see a soft-ass, hardcore Holly. Not that I, I'm calling you soft, hardcore. You're hardcore. Bob's coming for you. Yeah, I don't want a piece <laughs> of Bob. He kicked my white ass. Um, but, yeah, this match, to me, had so much more it could have been. Because you do have Y2J. You have the China storyline. But, yeah, dude, they were pushing, they were pushing China hard. And what's weird about this match... Uh, like I said, I feel like 
if anything, Y2J shined. Hardcore kind of took a back seat because he couldn't be Hardcore Holly. And then China was just kind of put on this pedestal. But you also have the McMahon-Helmsley era. Everybody knows about the gossip, the gaga. They know that China and Triple H were an item. You have the year 2000, the McMahon-Helmsley era has just kicked off. So this is just an awkward, awkward placement for China and for this whole situation. It's not, I don't think WWF, WWE was having a good time with this whole situation between China, Triple H, Stephanie. It was probably more of a headache than it was worth. So keeping China happy and kind of continuing uh, the storyline, but yeah, just wasted. You see Taz, you know, getting pushed down the card and you get a, get China wrestling for the Intercontinental title. Just doesn't make sense to me. Um, next but not least, dude, let's move on. We got a rock promo. That's right. Eyebrow raising. Wow. Smell what the rock is cooking. He, uh, they asked Michael Cole, asked him, what's your, what's your opinion on, uh, the Rumble match? And he brings up Crash Holly and Headbanger Mosh. And, uh, yeah, just having a, he just fire on the pro, on the mic. It tells him he's going to wipe a monkey ass with what the big show thinks. Just on fire like Mariah. So, I think we're all ready to smell what The Rock is cooking, and we'll smell that later. But let's head up to the tag team champion match, Acolytes versus the New Age Outlaws. Because everybody else has cut a promo, it's time for me to cut one. And my last pod I did for uh, Judgment Day 98, I didn't get a New Age Outlaw So I'm going to get one for right now. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Wrestling Matt Podcast proudly brings to you the Tag Team Champions of the World. It's the Matty Daddy. Matt Riser. It's the... Uh, I'm going to let you guys be uh, co-champs for this episode. CJ Crowd, Derek Tittle, the New Age Outlaws. Now, Mr. Ass, if you got a if you're not down with that, we got two words for you. CJ Krause, hit him with it. Suck it! That's where you kind of turn down the volume a little bit. <laughs> but suck it! And uh, if we had a DX, I'm sure Mr. Tittle would be our Xbox. I know his China love. I know he's always crotch shopping everywhere and anywhere. Give oh, him a you didn't know? <laughs> Ask better call somebody! <laughs> Dude, we get the New Age Outlaws versus, not the APA yet, the Acolytes. Bradshaw, John Bradshaw Layfield, some people know him as. Some people know him as Bradshaw, whatever. But him and Farouk, not Ron Simmons, Farouk, the Acolytes. This was the early stages or late stages of the Ministry of Darkness. So we get the Outlaws defeating the Acolytes. Um Interesting match, CJ. Kind of fill us in on this one. I mean, most of it was just a beatdown from the Acolytes from the start, coming in hot. Um, but it was like the right kind of way to do it. I know you kind of brought it up on the previous pod with the 98 um, Judgment Day. They interrupted what the New Age Outlaws were doing. They did the right way this time by doing it 
after the mm-hmm. promo. They came in so hot, so fast, and started a beatdown, but it was still after the crowd got what they wanted. Right. Because the biggest pop of the night was definitely the New Age Outlaws, that promo, in Dude, my opinion. They were over. DX was over. Yeah. This is, we talked 98 last week. We're talking 2000. Like, that's how good DX was as a team. Like, I mean, you've seen it, 2006, DX was still over. So, yeah, absolutely, dude. DX was on fire. But it definitely, I talked to the point of, like, the match was good. It was hard-hitting. The moves were great. And then the X-Pac interference was the right way to do it to kind of build that storyline in the future. And to continue with what DX was back then, like, they were, like, the cool heels. Like, they were not good guys, but they were like right. the over guys. Um, and that was, again, I, I thought this was a great, good short match. It didn't need to be any longer. It served all its purposes, and we got a tie in later on. Oh, yeah. Derek, I see these notes, brother. I see you watch this match. You got a little piece of it. Tell me about the Outlaws and the Acolytes. Yeah, so same boat here. I mean, no one's ever going to get sick of that Outlaws pop. As soon as their music hits and every single person in the crowd is saying the words along with them, you can't help but get hyped. So it doesn't almost doesn't even matter what Mr. Ass and the, the D-O-double-G do in the ring because they're already so over. And like I said, short match, so it didn't really need much. Um, my takeaway from this match, though, is I could not help but focus on Billy Gunn wearing Lita's thong underneath <laughs> his pink shorts and it was showing through all match. What the heck all, was that? That's all I could focus on. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, he and he had the choker necklace. Like Yeah. He's a bad man. Like I wouldn't mess with him, but what Yeah, he had like the nineties choker necklace. Like it, it's the setting just, up the Billy and Chuck in the future. That's a Oh good call. Oh good smart. Call. Planting that seed as I like to call it. <laughs> the seed has been planted with Billy Gunn. Um, my big takeaways were the acolytes were, were just getting that they're about to form that APA, which I think was just a genius concept for those guys. Cause you saw Farouk and then you get APA. It, it still gives you that ass kicker. Same with JBL. You can tell by his wrestling style, his clotheslines, Farouk's spine buster. These guys are bad mother truckers. Um, I thought what was funny was Ron Simmons, Farouk, you got to see a little personality. I don't know if y'all remember, I think he spine-busted Road Dog and he did the little leg thing that Road Dog does. Yeah, and I thought yeah. that was a real cool, like, just something you don't ever see from Ron Simmons, just that personality. Um, Derek, I know you're a Florida State fan. Ron Simmons, nose tackle. I think he was one of, what, he, he was the first guy getting his jersey retired. Is that correct? Something like that. And then I also remember him being one of those guys, kind of like, um, maybe they say this about like Herschel Walker, I think maybe. They said like Ron Simmons didn't even work like work out. That's crazy. He, he was just naturally like that big. So he, you know, maybe he did some push ups and stuff on the side, but he was just a genetic freak and a bad ass. And I agree that when they go to the APA, who doesn't love to see two badasses drinking beer, playing poker, and just being, like, for hire? Who oh. doesn't love that? So, so good. Um, I know we're moving quick, guys, but we're, we're getting ready to the meat of the show. We are ready 
for probably the best match on the card. I think anybody can agree. I uh, We're going to talk Triple H and Cactus Jack. Triple H ends up getting the win, but holy shit, what a match. Um, before we get started, we get our reviews, we get our takeaways. I'm going to go ahead and what we do here, we feed you guys. So in the words of Ryback, feed me more. We're about to give you the Triple H versus Bang Bang Cactus Jack promo leading up to Royal Rumble 2000. You want me in the garden? You want me at the Rumble meet for the richest prize in the game at the Royal Rumble. Triple H, my God! Triple H has been hurting Foley right there at our table. Monday night, one thing mankind is not is ready to figure a substitute in that match. I think you're all for drastic measures. Triple H forced Mick Foley. guys we're back wrestling mat podcast the lucha libre cj kraus the diamond stud Derek Tittle, giving you that expert fantasy advice as far as bookings wrestling rewinds much more much 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 more so we're gonna get to to me the match of the night triple h cactus jack holy shit what a match it ends up by, you know, multiple pedigrees on some thumbtacks. But this is a street fight. As you saw in the promo, Mankind, Mick Foley has turned into Cactus Jack, the ECW, the WCW guy who was no holds barred, hardcore to the extreme. All those years with Terry Funk and just that style of wrestling where they were just, you know, badasses. So let's start with CJ on this one, man. The match has started. Tell me about it. Like you said, this is definitely the match of the night. I don't think anybody's going to deny that. Anybody, if you want to rewatch this, this is the one that you sit down and give it all of your attention. And it starts off like not too hardcore out the gate, but then it starts building and building and building. They do great storytelling throughout this one. Uh, I think it was really starting to peak when they brought in the barbed wire baseball bat. Or the two by four, whatever it was. Two by four. Two by four. Two by four, yeah. But um, yeah, and it was getting taken away from him and it gets brought back in, and then um Cactus takes it, and then you see that gruesome where he's digging into Triple H in his leg, and you see it like ripping and pulling. You can feel it. You can feel the pain. Like you have to like turn away for a second, and then Cactus gets handcuffed and just taking shots there. But the biggest thing is that when The Rock comes out and mm-hmm. really saves mankind, the one thing I wish that would have happened in that moment, though, was The Rock unlocking man, uh, Cactus Jack, not so some have... security guard. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that would just, yeah. like, elevate it to me a little bit more. But, again, I'm nitpicking. because This match is beautiful. Um, the thumbtacks. Like, it's it, for a street fight and something that's, like, supposed to be, like, gruesome and hard to watch, it also told a great story as well and you felt for both of them which is hard to say when for triple h in that time but anybody getting their leg ripped open you got to feel at least something but i think it was great on all accounts yeah. as he's saying like leg ripped open basically what happened was they started in the ring they went outside the ring 
there was pallets. They used literally anything and everything as far as the crowd, but there's a point in the match where they're fighting at the entranceway and bricks are used, but he gets a back dropped onto a pallet that's already broken. He gets, he gets suplexed. A piece of, yeah, gets suplexed with a piece of pallet stuck in his leg. And this mm-hmm. is like maybe 10 minutes in, I think. This is, you know, right off the bat. But holy shit. Derek, your turn, brother. Tell me about this match. Ooh, yeah, Maddie Daddy. Ooh, this is yeah. the match I've been waiting to talk about. Um, just piggybacking on what you said there. Yeah, you can see. So Mick Foley, as far as Triple H's leg goes, Mick Foley winds up stacking two wooden pallets on top of each other and then suplexing Triple oh. H onto him. But you can see when he's putting that top pallet on that it breaks. And you can see a jagged edge. And then you don't actually see it going to it, but you see later, like, after that, his calf is just as bloody as can be, and it just looks terrible. But the match itself, oh, goodness. I know not everyone's a fan of hardcore-style matches, and this being a street fight, it had a lot of that ump. But goodness, I mean, any, any hardcore-type match with Mick Foley in it, I mean, sign everyone up. Um, it was just, it was so entertaining. Like CJ was saying, they told a great story while getting all these spots in. And then, so the, the actual finish, um, so Mick Foley brings out the thumbtacks, right? And he winds up actually getting back body dropped onto him and rolls around in him like a freak. And then, and then Triple H hits the pedigree off to the side of the thumbtacks and covers him. So I remember reading that was supposed to be the original finish of the match. Mick Foley right on the spot called an audible wow. and, kicked, and kicked out and said, no, pedigree me on the thumbtacks. So That's then true. Triple H goes over, pedigrees him on the thumbtacks, and then he gets the pin. And, um, and Triple H is even being hauled off on a stretcher. Cactus Jack goes and grabs and brings his ass back out to the ring and starts hitting him with that uh, barbed wire two by four. And Triple H already had a ton of color from that barbed wire two by four. And it was just, it was a brutal match and just really makes you appreciate looking back what these guys were willing to do for our entertainment. But like moments like that elevate it so much more, like that second pedigree that you feel. And oh, like, yeah. and the protection of Cactus Jack even to go out and get Triple H, who's like at this point being like like a king before the even King of Kings gimmick. Like, oh, he oh, need to get a medical attention. And the psychotic, and this sets up so <laughs> much for going to WrestleMania that goes on in the future too. The fact that like what happens then, we don't even know about this yet. But like that sets that up, and it's just it's so well done. It's just like one of the and like you made Cactus still be strong. It took two pedigrees and one on thumbtack to really take out this maniacal man. So. Dude, this is like the storyline uh, pinnacle. This is like an orgasm. If I had a cigarette, I would smoke it after this match. <laughs> it was that good. Like Triple H, man, we, we're used to Triple H nowadays. But back then, dude, nobody sold better than Triple H. This whole match, he the beginning of it, he got his ass beat. And, dude, I you see Mankind smiling, grinning, just going fucking nuts. What a match. Like, if anybody's going to go back and watch a match from probably 2000, this is the one, dude. 30 minutes of just 
pure gold. Yeah, it's hardcore, but this is what they were about there. And if you're thinking Triple H can't sell for people and the you don't think he he brings it, he brought it from a facial expression, from a wrestling. He didn't he didn't hold back. He got his ass beat and he beat ass. But to me, holy smokes, what a match. Um Real quick, before we move on, dude, just Cactus Jack, Mick Foley, to be able to put on all these different hats and to be able to perfect them. And from what his body's gone through, from the the Cactus Jack, the Japan matches with barbed wire, with uh, fire, his ear getting ripped off, like mad props to Mick Foley and what we experienced. Um, Yeah, Triple H had McMahon there, Helmsley. So you have all that going on, but he is stealing the show, Triple H, as a performer to me in this match. Um, dudes, you know what we're ready for? The Rumble.